Welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. And I'm Karen. We are a mother-daughter duo of mediums, medical intuitives, psychics, and energy healers offering personal sessions to clients all over the world. And this is our podcast. Coffee with the Sarlows is a platform to share the remarkable experiences of our clients and the messages that are channeled for them from the spirit world. These stories will make you laugh, some will make you cry, and some are certain to be an absolute butt-kicking with love. Our intent for this podcast is to gently and kindly challenge your beliefs, grow your empathy, and help you find pieces of your own self in each one of these individual stories. Before we jump into today's show, we have a few notes for our listeners. Karen and I have personal practices channeling for local and international clients. If the stories in these shows is something you'd like to experience, you can request your own personal session through our website, bysarlo.com. We also have gift certificates available if you wish to gift this experience to someone anywhere in the world. We have a second podcast series called Sips of Sanity. This series is your emotional and intuitive intelligence toolkit. We pick one topic every month and provide you with healthy tools for critical thinking and communication. This series airs the first week of every month. The first show is free and can be found on our website, your favorite podcast platform, or YouTube. The full series can be found on patreon.com forward slash by Sarlo. Patreon is our membership portal with a ton of monthly benefits for those of you seeking to grow your emotional and intuitive intelligence. Karen has a personal blog that explores the beauty and importance of intuitive gifts. There's a question and answer segment that addresses listeners' questions. As we mentioned, you can find the complete Sips of Sanity series here, along with handy habit trackers and great reflective questions to help you get the most from the shows. We provide you with guided journeys and music to enrich that experience, and we're running an emotionally intelligent, interactive book club. And for patrons in our top tier, each month we're putting your names into a draw for a free half-hour channeling session with Karen or myself. If you're interested in joining us, head over to patreon.com forward slash by Sarlo. Now, on to the show. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning. I'm ready to go. Same. This is going to be, well, I think this is a tearjerker today. Oh, I meant to Fuck. bring the block, the box of Kleenex. You know, you should do a better job as a business partner telling me when I need to wear waterproof mascara. <laughs> Sorry. I'm putting my formal request in right now. Okay. It, it, it's too late, so I, I will apologize. We'll, we'll see if this comes true or not. But <laughs> okay, so this is done. This session is done over Zoom. And it is with a group of people. Mm. And I'm not going to ask you for all the names up front because it's just going to be too complicated for me and too complicated for the listeners. So I have two men and two women in four quadrants, like each in their own quadrants, not all together in one space. Mm. So zooming from different places, if people are wondering what that means by quadrants. Right. Oh, thank you for explaining that. And... um, I am told at the very beginning by one of the females that they are looking for their mom. And that's all they want. And that this, I can't remember, I think it was like an hour long session. And that they're just looking to connect with mom. Now they don't tell me if she's passed, if she's in a coma, if she's alive, if they can't find her. And I point that out because there are lots of different reasons people say can you tell us what you get about my mother? Mm-hmm. And I know that some of our regular listeners will go, oh, show about medium. 
Um, which I, you and I can't nope. assume. Show by mediums. Yeah. <laughs> but we can't assume that because this could be a missing mom. Like there's just so many different things this could be. So I asked the spirit world, I said, uh, where's mom? Who's mom? Like, tell me something. And they, it, she came in right away and she said, um, I just passed. She says, this is medium. She says, I am a recent crossing. And I said, recent, because for me, recent means within six months. Mm-hmm. And I said, so six months? And she goes, oh, yes, even sooner. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, would it be within the last month or two? And she goes, oh, yeah. And I said, oh, holy crumb. I said, how are you doing on the other side first? And she goes, I'm really good. She said, "Um, I passed younger than I ever thought I was going to die on earth. I thought I was going to live to be 90 and an old lady and was aiming for that. And I said, how are you aiming for that? What What were you doing? And she says, well, I was like really with it, Karen. She says, like, I worked out, I ate well, I was proactive about my health. She says, I was very well aware of emotional intelligence. I was researching. If somebody said something or it sparked my interest, I I, I just, I got on everything. Mm-hmm. She's super engaged. Yes. And I said, okay, were you, did you apply that to your children? Because this is giving me personality. And she says, you bet I did. She says, I was all about engaging and connecting to my children. And I said, okay, where's your husband? And she says, he's alive. I said, okay, when you died, were you still married to him? No, we had divorced years ago, and it was a clean divorce. I wanted nothing to do with him. He was an abuser. I left. I walked away. And she says, I didn't want to go back to figure any of that out. The kids could do what they wanted. She says, I didn't badmouth him, but she says, I certainly did my best to educate them and make, let them make their own decisions. But I believed that my, my children could make better decisions about their father once they were healthy adults. And I'm not their therapist, so I wasn't trying to provide therapy. Oh, mom. She says, I was just trying to say, there's a book. Or, and some of them took it and some of them did not. And she says, so I learned about boundaries. And I said, okay, this is a lot. So I I can use all of that. And she goes, well, she says, "Um, I want to tell you about my passing. And I said, okay. I said, what do you, what do I need to know? And she says, well, it was very quick. I know I'm also saying that I just passed recently, She says, but it was quick. And I said, oh, was this like an accident? Like what occurred? And she said, no, I was sick. And I said, what kind of, like, what kind of duration for sickness? Because everybody wants those particulars. And she says, Karen, I just got sick with like in a week. She says, and like I died like that fast. Mm. And I said, holy crumbs. So like they were stunned. Like this was shock. And she said, 100%, this is shock, even though I don't die the same day, I'm sick. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not like I just got diagnosed and I died that day. She said, I literally had symptoms for two or three days, went to the hospital and died two or three days later. And I said, is this a medical trauma? Is it their fault? Because family wants to know. And she said, no. 
this isn't their fault. This was just my body. And I said, so where? Because they're going to want to know something that I know medically. And she said, yes, my lungs. And I'm thinking COVID. Like as soon as she says all of this, I'm like, wow, I wonder if she had COVID. But that's just human? me. Like a human thought? Yeah, it was my human thought, mm-hmm. you know? And so she's explaining and then she had all these flu symptoms and I I didn't ask her right away, but she's explaining all of that. And then she just sort of moves on and she says to me, you can go ahead then and start by giving the that information because my children have heard about you and Kelly. Um, they wanted to see if there's a connection, but they really don't know what they believe. So they're just sort of all here looking at you like, we don't really know if you can do this. And she says, it's not that they're all rude or ignorant. They want you to. I think it's so funny because I think I sit down at the desk every day and go, I don't know if I can do this. (laughs) So like, you know, no, I I don't fault any client that sits in front of me and goes, well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's so true. Yeah. Like the guides consistently come through, but I think for, for, the humans on both sides of the computer yeah. to sit in total surrender to see what happens is pretty beautiful and pretty brave. I am so grateful that you're saying that it's brave for everybody on both sides of the camera. Yeah, anyone who who, who researches a medium then mm-hmm. just decides to pick us for whatever reason it is, there's mm-hmm. bravery in it. You're taking a risk. Yeah. Yeah, and you have to have some degree, even if it's only one ounce of hope. And I know that these four have far more than one ounce of hope. Mm -hmm. I know that. So, uh, I mean, I'm hoping, well, I'm talking to her, so I'm comfortable. I can see her. I can smell things. Like, I'm comfortable, so I begin. Okay, so let's start with the first female, Kelly. So I'm going to refer to her as the oldest because her mom says to me, Start in your left corner. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Thank goodness there's a female up there. (laughs) And she says, this is my oldest daughter. Mm. And she says, she, oh, pardon me, before I jump into everything, I'm going too fast. So I told all four of them everything that she said. Right. And asked them if it was accurate first. And all of them said yes. So I would pause. So just, you know, so they're not going over every single thing I just said. They just simply affirmed everything and told me, yep, that's correct. Yes, that's correct. I'm going to add as a coworker, uh, someone in your field, how wonderful uh, that is that everyone was on the same page about what happened. Oh, yeah. Because sometimes through no fault of the clients, Mm -hmm. uh, they have misinformation or they don't have consistent information. Yeah. And sometimes there can be time in a session, I don't want to call it wasted, but is spent where siblings or, or the different people in the group are looking at each other going, is that true? Is that true? Is that the information you had? And you can see them struggling to come to a consensus. So I'm, I'm happy for you and for them that it was just a simple yes. Yeah. And some of them fight. Oh yeah. Like sometimes there's a good 10, 15 minutes in a session that's eaten up by the people participating, fighting amongst each other. Yeah, even with some denying the information that they all consistently have, but some don't want to believe. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, okay, smooth session so far. Oh, yeah. Um, so then I, I she said go to her oldest daughter in the top left corner. And do you want to give her a name, Kelly? I will do Mila. So she, she, I asked Mila what she wanted, and she said, oh, we're all here. She says, just to get whatever messages mom wants to give us. And we've talked about that, and a few people have told us how to have a good session. So we're going to give this a try. And we're all comfortable to come back and book with Kelly later and do a second session or whatever, Karen. She says, so just tell us whatever mom wants. She says, and we all have anxiety. Mm. She says, all four of us are anxious. We all cried before the session. She says, we're all upset. So we're just going to trust mom. And so I said to mom, okay, show is yours, girl. You go. Whatever you tell me, whatever senses I can use for you so that you can communicate with your four children, I am here. I will do my best. Go. And so she says to me, well, my oldest lives overseas. She's not calling in from anywhere where you are in Canada, in North America. She's overseas, Karen. And I said, oh, okay. Now, does it matter where? And she goes, no, it doesn't matter where. She's not going to make you say that. Go continue. But that's a good validation. So she says she's overseas. And when she found out that I was sick was the day her youngest brother drove me to the hospital. Mm. And he literally called and said, I just dropped mom off at Emerge and wasn't allowed in with her. And so he called his siblings because he was scared. And she says, this is the first time that my daughter heard that there was just anything wrong with me. I was just mom, healthy, just talking to them every, talking to her every day. And she says, um, there were only a couple of days. And then her brother called to say that I had died. So she is in shock. Mm -hmm. And she says, I want to say to her that I know that for those two to three days that I was in the hospital, um, that she called every day to try to speak to me. She says she called her brother, her two brothers and her sister, and that every day she would say to me, now, come on, mom, like, um, you know, and just talk to her in her mind. And she says, on the last day, earlier before her brother called to say mom passed away, she says to her mom on the phone, she, because she called into the hospital and they had them, I guess, like on a speaker phone. So her mom is conscious? No. Ah, okay. No, her mom was not conscious. She says that my oldest daughter said to me, mom, I just found out I'm pregnant. So she says, I want my daughter to know I heard you, sweetie. And she says, I want to tell you that I know. I don't want you to go through your pregnancy wondering if your mom knows. She says, so I'm telling you I know. And I'm telling you that I'm going to be there through the pregnancy with you because when we die, we are not stuck out on some planet or some location. We are in pure energy and I coexist here and in multiple spaces. So I'm with you, sweetheart. So if you're good with that kind of belief or thought, then I would like to be around you. And if you accept it, you and I can work on connecting. Mm -hmm. And she goes and tell her that 
that is what became, that was the purpose of my life after I left my husband, was to connect to everybody. She tried to connect to her ex-husband and he just wasn't having it. So once she left him, it was, nope, I'm living my life for me and I want to connect to everything that I can. So she says to her daughter, you and I can connect. We can figure this out. Lovely. She was all about creating a process and figuring things out. So she says, you just tell her, I will figure this out. So I told her that. And she said, Karen, I told my mom I was pregnant. She said, I, I am so relieved. Mm-hmm. She says, I don't, she says, I just got goosebumps. I just don't know what to say, how to tell you how this makes me feel. To know my mom heard me, even though she was unconscious. And I had no idea that that was the day that she would die, the day that I told her, mom, I'm pregnant. So she says, thank you. She says, I, I'm happy to know that. Mm-hmm. So Kelly, what would you like to name her oldest son? Milo. So she turns to Milo and she says, okay, Milo. Um, she says, you have to tell this son that I know that he's in healthcare. This son is a physician and he's not in the hospital that I was in. He doesn't, he's not in the same city, but he was close enough that he could have come to see me, but he couldn't. Hmm. He thought that I was just in the hospital and that eventually he'd get to me. Then she says that by the time he put his papers in to say that his mom was sick and in a different city in this hospital, um, that his association would not permit him the two weeks that it would require for him to go and visit her and come back and be able to go back to work to see his own patients to do his own surgeries. And that they just could not afford for him to have those two weeks. And so... He had to make that choice, but they were like pretty much saying to him, we're saying no. So if you're going to go against that, then you're going to have some difficulty here. You know, this pisses me off because it's just like people are dispensable. Yeah. But the funny thing is, is that you're telling me he's a surgeon. Yeah. If you really had your wits about you, and this is no offense to Milo, I would have heard, we can't afford to lose you. Well, guess what? I'll be back in two weeks. Yeah. And I'm going to go because you're going to need me then. Like, I think people forget sometimes that they have leverage. Yeah. I, I, you've got a beautiful point, and I hope listeners heard it. If you're, if you're that short-staffed and you need to leave to see your mother who's, who's sick, and they, they just keep reiterating the short-staffedness, it's not going to change in two weeks. When you reapply, aren't they going to love that there's a resume? Mm-hmm. So then she says to him that he has been filled with guilt mm-hmm. and that he's been filled with remorse and that he's angry being a doctor. He's angry at his group. He's mm-hmm. angry at surgery. He's angry and that he's struggling with his anger. Yeah. How do you go stitch people up with love and care when you're furious that it's the very thing that took you away from your mother? Mm-hmm. And then she said, you know, she says, I just want him to know that I know that he did everything he could do, that he thought he could do. Mm-hmm. And again, you make a decision 
And then you do, he's trying to do what he can within making that decision, thinking this is what's best for my patients. Mom will be fine. Mom will come out. I'll be able to go see her after once she leaves and I get something organized here to do a leave. He's, he's really trying to create a process and just doesn't have the time to get through one. And ultimately in this human experience, no knowledge that this doesn't actually allow for a long process. Yeah, that's right. You you don't know how rushed you need to be. And that's what she says. You just did what you could with what you knew in that moment. Mm -hmm. Stop playing the game of, if I had done this differently, I could have left. I could have seen mom. I could have been there. Maybe it would have changed if I had been there. Mm -hmm. I'm a physician. I'm a surgeon. This is my mother. And she said, that's enough. That's enough. You did what you could with what you knew at that time. I love you. I still am connected to you. And then she says, now for facts, because you'll want the facts. He's married and he has three boys and he's a surgeon and he does heart surgery. And I'm like, oh, holy. Okay, thank you. So then I offered him all of the soft information first about his choices, his decision, the feelings around it, which are still facts, but the other stuff is just cold, hard facts. You're married, you've got three kids, and Mm -hmm. so on. And so he just sat there and she said, look, she said, I'm not angry. I'm, I'm not disappointed. My status and what you guys know of me is that Whatever it is in this moment, we deal with it. Mm. And that's exactly what we're going to continue to do. Or we'll lose our connection and our love for each other. And I'm not willing to lose love and connection to you guys. I'm just not. She's rock solid, eh? Mm -hmm. Okay. So now we're moving to her youngest daughter. And what would you like to name her? I'm going to go with Mina. Okay. So she says, let's talk to Mina, Karen. She says, so Mina got in the car and said to the people at work, my mom's sick, see ya. Mm. And they all went, okay, bye. (laughs) Best best case scenario. Yes. Do what you got to do. See you when we see ya. Mm. Let us know you're alive when you arrive. And so she got in her car with her dog and she drove to see her mom. Mm -hmm. When her brother called the first day and said, Mom's sick. Mm-hmm. And she went, not a problem. Want to be there with mom. I can swing this. It's all good at work. I can come into town and work from where I'm at, at mom's place. This is good. So she says, and, and mom has a home with, I, I think it's called a cabin or like there's a second, mm-hmm. hmm, there's a second little place on the property that's got like a kitchen, a bedroom, bathroom. Yeah, I'm going to go with cabin. <laughs> As a, as a definition, because it's not a house. It's all one floor kind of a thing. Um, okay, so she knows that she can come and that she can stay there and that because of COVID, she can still sit outside and that they can visit, they can go for walks, they can garden, they just have to keep outside kind of thing. So she's like, this is all planned. She was happy with it. She gets in to, to see her mom. She goes to the hospital and she's not allowed in. Mm-hmm. And she says, but I traveled to see my mom. Now you're definitely not allowed in. Yeah, but doesn't think that way. Yeah. 
she thinks the exact opposite, which is our old way of thinking before COVID. Mm -hmm. And so she sits in the parking lot and goes, why didn't I think this? Mm. Why, why, why did I do this? Why did I drive here? She's like, I didn't think any of this through. But she realizes, oh God, I was just panicked. Why did I behave like this? Oh, Mina, I feel you. Yeah. And, and so she sits there and she calls her siblings and goes, why, why did I do this? I, I, I'm dumbfounded about my actions. The fir- her older sister kind of is like, oh, don't worry about it. And you're here and just enjoy what you can. And you can hang out with our youngest brother. It's all good. He'll need you, blah, blah. Well, she calls her oldest brother, who's the surgeon, stuck. And he's like, that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy you did. I'm so happy you're there. Be there for both of us. And she goes, okay, I'll be here for both of us. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. I just, I love how they think for each, like with each other as a, as a unit. So she decides to go to the lake with her dog in the car. And she decides that she's going to sit at the lake each day that her mom's in the hospital until they hear what's going on. And that she's going to go with her cup of coffee, sit at the lake, and she's just going to talk to her mom. She's just going to journal things, and then she's going to open up her laptop and do some work. So I said to mom, how long does she keep that up for, by the way? Just as a fact. And she goes, after I died, she says she goes back to the lake with the dog. She goes, and she does it until she actually has to leave after the funeral. Mm. She says she does it all the time. I said, well, wait. When she goes back to her own city... Is there a lake there? And she goes, there is, but she doesn't go to the lake. She goes to this river that's behind her house. And I said, okay. So that's specific information. I can say how long she did it for and that she ends up changing that and she's changing the body of water. And she goes, yeah. So then I tell her second daughter, her youngest daughter, I'm sorry, Kelly, what did you name her? Mina. She tells Mina exactly what Mina did. And she goes, Mina, sweetie, you did everything that you could. You just did what you could, just like your oldest brother, just like your oldest sister. You just did what I taught each one of you to do, to think as clearly as you can and do what you can and then reassess. And she says, so I want you to know that I was with you at the water listening when I was in the hospital in spirit. And then after I died, still in spirit. Just a little bit more in spirit. That's lovely. Yeah. Then she moves on and she says, now let's go talk to my baby. So Kelly, what do you want to name him? Manny. So she says, okay, Manny. She says, you're the problem. So I said, what do you mean? And she goes, well, she says, Manny and I were living together. And she says, he was in my home. And she's not in the cabin, in the house. We had been living together. And she says, you know, she says, Manny would would not do some nice things to me, and I would forgive him too soon. And she says, no, we had just had a squabble, and once again, I was forgiving him too soon. But I wanted to be good mom, and this was where I shit the bed as a mother. She says, so I forgave him, and she says, and then I got sicker over the next couple of days, and I asked him to take me to the hospital. So the day he took me to the hospital, she says, we still weren't over our little squabble. And she says, we got to the hospital. He thought he was coming in with me. He thought I could have a plus one. Mm -hmm. 
So she says he took me to the doors and we weren't allowed in. Or he wasn't, pardon me. We, I was allowed in, he was not. And I turned to him and I said, Manny, um, I love you, honey. And we will work this out when I get home. We work everything out. She says, but the important thing is, I love you. And so off she walked in. And he got in his car and sat in the parking lot. And I said, what happened when he sat in the parking lot to his mom? And she goes, well, he sat in the parking lot and he called his brothers and sisters in a panic. And I said, why a panic? Like, were you that sick at that point? And she goes, oh, I was quite sick at that point. And she says, but we didn't know that it was fatal. We didn't know what it was. And so I said, could you tell me, did you have COVID? And she says, no, I didn't. I said, okay. She says, it was something viral. And she says, I just said those things to him, went into the hospital. And she says, I want him to know this, that I am sorry that I did not hold him more accountable and that I wish I had not forgiven him so quickly all the time because he didn't individuate and become an adult like his other three siblings. So sometimes he feels a little bit left out in the family because he doesn't have the same skills as them. But I do want to say that as much as that is the truth, that in many other ways he did do as much as he could and the best that he could, given the skill set he was given. But his skill set was a little bit shorter than the other kids. And I thought because he was the youngest and we were living together that I had a little bit more time. I thought I had more time to get to him. And she says, so now I'm recognizing that because I thought I had more time, that we were living together, that he was the youngest, that I wasn't trying as hard. Mm. And she says, so now I have to sit here and say that I'm sorry about that that I'm responsible for this. And I want my other children to hear my apology to him. I want them to know this is, this is also on me. So she said all of that to Manny. The other three didn't really totally know that, but saw his behavior from time to time. They just didn't know it was to that degree. So some of it was seemed like somewhat of a surprise by their faces on the screen. But I have to hand it to them, Kelly. They were all quiet and just listened to it. Mm -hmm. And she said to them at the very end, all four of you cared for me. All four of you loved me. All four of you did what you could with the tools that you had. And I'm saying it's enough. I'm calling it enough. I am, not you. You, you don't get to judge whether it was enough or not. I am. It was my life. And do you accept the call? Hmm. Because if you do, then each of you can sit in that space and say, okay, mom, thanks, and move forward. Not totally move through in your done grief. We're not talking about being done a grieving process, but we're talking about being done with some part of the process. Yeah. Some of the stuff that could make it hard and sluggish mm -hmm. and depressing. That's wonderful. Yeah. And I'm so glad they chose a group session and were so kind and respectful to one another, as well as their mom. Mm-hmm. Doesn't sound like they did any interrupting. They didn't. Or challenging. They didn't. 
It was absolutely beautiful. And I thought, what? Um, what a family. Yeah. And you can, like, you can clearly see that she's worked on this family since her divorce. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was also remarkable, that this woman chose to leave a partner to say, I want to recreate the relationships, the connection, the individuality, the separating from each other, and then the way that we actually connect to each other in a healthy way. And let's go get the tools and then I'm going to share them. You know, this is such an important podcast because so many people are still of a mindset, I can't break the family. I can't leave the family. I can't shatter the family, whatever visual term you want to use here. Mm -hmm. But you're hearing that she actually mended it by removing the piece that was making it impossible to have health. That's right. And she totally set about, like the day even, I'll say the day she left, but in truth, probably before that, we just didn't go down that road. But she had to have worked on that in order to come to that decision that Mm -hmm. I'm leaving and that I'm going to take my relationships with my children and I'm going to recreate what family means for me and Mm -hmm. my kids yeah, and their spouses and my grandchildren. She left with direction. Mm -hmm. She didn't just leave and let panic consume her and anxiety and Mm -hmm. what ifs consume her. She left with a clear direction of what she wanted, as you mentioned, to create. And then she worked her ass off to do it. Mm -hmm. She didn't just take a picture of a happy family and put it on a vision board and say, that's what I want, but not do every little single bit of work to have it. Mm -hmm. She worked. Love it. Me too. I didn't cry because technically I think I had to shut my emotions down at some point because mm. if I if I put myself too much in their shoes, I won't get through this. Um, but but really, having not cried, it's just a it's just a superhero <laughs> podcast mm-hmm. of this of this wonderful family just continuously stepping up for one another. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? Like I, I typed it all up because the fingers in the splint still, but I typed it all up and I thought. Shit, I wish this was a Mother's Day podcast. Mm. And, or like Heroes Month or something. Like oh, I we just, have a whole year to get those together. Yeah. She's just, she's unforgettable for me. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to Coffee with the Sarlos. If you enjoyed the show today, help spread the love with a like, share, or review of the podcast. See you next Saturday with a brand new episode.